0: Live and underway here on ESPN Plus alongside Hercules Gomez. I am Sebastian Salazar. Coming up in this show, Herc, we're going to hear from Julie Fowdy for all the latest across the National Women's Soccer League and with the U.S. Women's National Team. Of course, they got the She Believes Cup coming up in 10 days' time. It is FIFA Rankings Day. Great joy there. We will uh, take a look at all the latest numbers from FIFA. Plus, we got the nominees for Concacaf's Men's Player of the Year, and we're both both going to put our votes on the record. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll agree. I'm sure there will be no debate. Let's start the show, though, with some Liga MX action from last night. Las Chivas Rayadas de Guadalajara making the trip north to the border to face off against Bravos of FC Juarez. The Chivas wearing the red. Juarez, they were wearing the uh, black and gold in honor of Mexican musical icon Juan Gabriel, who was raised in Juarez. Are these dripping or tripping? Dime cuando tú, dime cuando tú, dime cuando
1: tú vas a volver. The song good. The uniform, I don't know.
0: Ah, come on. Come on. Uh, Let's pick up the highlights here. Seventh minute FC Juarez go ahead through Fernando Arce. I I feel old. I play with that that man's father
1: and him. Uh, Fernando Arce, he's a center back now, by the way. Uh, Onside, legitimate goal, very good finish. Not an easy finish.
0: Need a little VAR help there, but... Once the VAR intervened, and this is what we always say, it's all that matters is that they get it right, and in the end, FC Juarez went ahead. That lead uh, wouldn't last all that long, though. Chivas would strike in the 44th minute. Uh An own goal, Alejandro Arribas, the guilty party.
1: Ay, cabeza para arriba, head up. It'll get better. Like, what do you do there if you're the goalkeeper?
0: like, (laughs) okay, okay. 1-1 then, Ricardo uh, Peláez. Hey, there's Tuca Ferretti. Watch the first half here from uh, up top as he's been uh, doing throughout his recent suspension. Didn't catch the second half there uh, on the sidelines with Michel Leagno. Oh, 52nd minute, Sepulveda sent off and I think deservedly so here. Yeah.
1: Well, no, a yellow card. It should have been a direct red. Hey, watch it. Watch the way he lunges in. Look at this Look to at the player's knee. This gotta be a direct red, Seb. This is one mm-hmm. of the most clumsy tackles I've seen this season
0: by far. Later in the second half, Juarez thinking they've got a penalty shout here. Oh, Herc, you know what they're going to say. It's Chivas, it's Chivar. It is Chivar. Tell me he did not. Ah, kicks him in the thigh. I don't care if it's a
1: delayed reaction. I don't care if they tried to sell it and it was bad. It's still a penalty.
0: Mm, okay, a couple minutes after that, another penalty shout for Bravos, Herc.
2: Man,
1: how, how just reckless is Chivas? Why put your hands on him? This could have easily been so a so penalty. Because you Chivas, you
0: know they're never going to call it against you. Well,
1: look at this. Don't put your hands on, Look at this. And then they throw them. Two guys end up throwing them. Look at that. Extends the arm, throws oh, them. Oh, look at that.
0: That's how Hercules used to play. Just going down easy in the box. Yeah, look at that. I don't know if that's
1: going down easy. Look at that left arm. Extends it. Oh, man. Uh-huh. That's
0: reckless. Mm-hmm. Strikers Union. Card carrying member, Hercules Gomez. Uh, after that, it was the Alexis Vega show. Here's a goal in the 83rd. The Strikers Union, I approve of that goal. Golazo. 1v1. Oh,
1: Arce. Oh, Arce. Took him inside then out and watch the finish.
0: Side netting, Alexis, what have you done? Mmm, I like that one. Alexis Vega, what have you done? You've made Tuka very upset. And then uh, more from Chivas in the 87th minute. Jesus Angulo gonna make it three to one. Boy, they finish strong again, Chivas. hurt. Watch the strength here. It's Ibari's Arce, and
1: then this is a fortunate assist. Let's be honest, it's very fortunate, but it's Alexis Vega again Mm. being present again in the final third, again, difference maker. Three
0: goals, two assists in four games. I'm telling you, Chivas is good at the end of the second half. They're good at the end of the first half. They're playing well in the critical moments. I'm sure for Mm -hmm. our many Chivas fans in the production team, there's quite a bit to like. But let's focus in on the performance from Alexis Vega. No, he's got three goals in his last four games for Chivas. Of course, the golazo against Jamaica for Mexico. And when you start to see a young player, yes, he's 24, but he's still relatively young. Doing that, the automatic thought, Herc, is, all right, it's time to go to Europe, right? But when you talk about a player in Mexico, you have to ask the other question, which is, is this player going to get stuck in Mexico? So how worried are you about Alexis Vega and potentially following a path like Rodolfo Pizarro, who, although he didn't get stuck in Mexico, he got stuck on this side of the ocean.
1: Right, because of that high transfer fee that they wanted to sell him for, right? He got stuck in Inter-Miami. Uh, Luis Romo got stuck from Cruz Azul to Monterrey, where he thinks it's better for him to go to Europe. Uh, ironically, Charlie Rodriguez went from Monterrey to Cruz Azul and thinks the same thing. So this happens <laughs> quite a bit in Liga MX because they make so much money because they command these high transfer fees for these players. How worried am I? On a scale of one to 10, mm. a two. Go ahead, Sebi, ask me why. Why? Okay, guess whose contract is up in December of this year?
0: That's right, He's. it's him. It's, it's him. on him, it's his decision.
1: So in July, my man can technically, can legally sign a pre-contract anywhere in the world. Today, there are reports out of Mexico. Reports, mm-hmm. a lot of different outlets reporting that he's already made his decision, and. Chiva fans and Chivas, La Directiva, the board, are not going to like it. Our mm. man is going to Europe. He's going to force his way out, a la Tecatito Corona, like he did for Monterrey, and a la Orbelin Pineda, like we just saw him do in Cruz Azul. And guess what? He has to do it that way. That's about yeah. the only way these players can make the jump, because it's not talent. It's not about the talent. He was one of the best players at the Olympics. He's been one of the best players in his generation. And even though he's only got 12 games in those limited time, limited amount of games that he's played, he's shown well for the national team. two goals. I know it's limited time, but there's a small body of work that makes you feel like it could work for him in Europe.
0: Yeah, as far as whether he's ready, probably six to nine months ago, I would have been not as sure, but I feel like the last half year, there's been a huge step forward for him. It's more consistent. And like he did last night, he's taking over games. And that's what you wanna see in Mexico, right? If you you're gonna if you're gonna have success over there, we think you gotta be not just okay in Mexico, you gotta be good. He's he's taking over games, and I think that's a that's a big step for him in his development. Like you said, the situation is in his hands, but he's gonna be tempted. Of course. Right? Chivas is working on a renegotiation. As you mentioned, I think Rayados is potentially interested in him. They're gonna throw big money at him.
1: Seb. He's already making a million plus net to play for Chivas, even Mm -hmm. though he scored zero goals last year. I know a lot of that was injury. Okay, a lot of that was hampered by that injury, that form. They've already offered him three times what he makes. Monterrey's trying to tempt him. A $3 million net player in Liga Mm -hmm. MX in your early 20s, he's like 23 turning 24, a player like that won't Mm -hmm. make that in Europe. Especially- And that's where it is. Because he doesn't have that pedigree, he doesn't have that body of work. So that could tempt him to stay. But even though he's getting that cash thrown at him right now, at least from his camp, at least from the reports, he's eyeing Europe.
0: But but if he does sign that contract, then he is stuck. Because then your market value here is not just greater than what it is over there, it's significantly greater than what it is over there. And that's when, as an asset, you can't move. No one over there is going to pay him uh, what he would be worth, both in Liga MX or in Major League Soccer. But as we start to think about where he might end up should he leave, We got to bring up the recently announced partnership between Chivas and PSV. And one of the parts of that deal, Herc, is that PSV gets first dibs on Chivas players if they want to bring them to Europe. So would PSV and the Dutch top flight be the ideal fit for Alexis Vega?
1: I mean, there's so many different... You know examples of Mexican players in the Dutch sub flight and how it's worked. Chucky Lozano, at uh, P.S.V. Uh, alone. Yeah, at P.S.V. alone. You know Guardado. You've had players like uh, Galindo have sometimes played there. Moreno. Uh, it just see, Eric Gutierrez is there right Maza now. Rodriguez. Yeah, Rodriguez. It seems like there's a It seems like there's a good fit for a lot of these Mexican players there because of the technical ability, the speed of play, the different fundamental uh, similarities between the two leagues. Yes, if you can get there, get there,
0: get out. Mm. Wow, look at that. Get out. My goodness, Herc. Okay, I get it there. The list for uh, Mexican players at PSV. Eric Gutierrez, Carlos Salcido, Massa Rodriguez, Andres Guardado, Héctor Moreno, and Chucky Lozano. Salcido, Lozano, Guardado, and Moreno all won titles at PSV. So, not only do they know the Mexican player, surely they must appreciate the player that's going to buy you a little bit more time, a little bit more grace. Also, the most direct comparison of Mexican players, because it really doesn't matter that you're Mexican. It matters the position you play is Chucky Lozano, who went a couple years earlier, right? He went at 22. Dude, he scored 40 goals in his first two seasons in the Netherlands. I don't know that Alexis would get to 40, but I think he could, I think he could do some damage in that league, and that sets you up for the next jump right? Uh, absolutely sets you up for the
1: next jump. It's, uh, it's a feeder league for sure. It's a very well-defended league by the by the likes of those statistics that you just mentioned. <laughs> yes, there you go.
0: We have uh, more Chivas news. Okay, we're already sending Alexis Vega off to Europe. Surely, you know, you gotta have somebody else. JJ Macias, he is done for now with his European adventure. Macias' season-long loan with Getafe has been terminated after a fruitless stay in La Liga. Eight appearances, zero goals for the 22-year-old striker Herc, who now Rejoins Chivas Herk Is Macias returning to Mexico the right move for the young striker? Absolutely. It may be the only move if you think about it. Yeah. The only move that makes sense.
1: You don't want to go somewhere else in Europe where you might have the same situation, uh, get tossed into a depth chart, get, trying to work your way out of it in a World Cup year. And I think this is a very important factor for people to realize. it's a World Cup year. Jota, Jota Macías is in a pool of forwards in Mexico that's not very deep. And right now, what's the Mexican national team looking for? That depth at number nine. I mean, nine. what
0: percentage you give them of making the team to Qatar? Come on.
1: Oh, hold on, hold on. Let's we'll take a look at it, okay? You've got Raul Jimenez, who's not exactly lighting it up. Less than 10. You- hold on. I'll put
3: it hold less on. than 10. you got
1: Rogelio Funes Mori, who absolutely nobody wants on a question national question, team, you okay? Don't. You have Henry Martin, who doesn't seem to convince a lot of people, and then, what? Pulido's injured, who's behind him? Santi Jimenez, who can't get can't get a look at all. This is a very good player, very technical, he's technically gifted, very good in the final third, he's smart, he's intelligent, size, uh, he's got decent speed, mm-hmm. he's got this goal scoring uh, capability, and he's got the monster that is Chivas behind him. If he can light fire this season, hey, We've seen crazier things happen with that monster. Javier Hernandez scored 10 goals, tied some loser from the States in a goal-scoring title, and made it to a World Cup. JJ Macias with a European all of a sudden now CV. You're telling me he can't make it?
0: Uh, I'm not saying that he can't make it. I'm just saying time will tell whether this was the right move or not. To your point about the options, I don't know how many there were. Remember, we heard about uh, Seske and in Moscow yeah, could have been yeah. an option, but that came from the agent. So you always take it with a grain of salt. We also hold sport, uh, Sporting Kansas City here in Major League Soccer with Noalan Pulido. They, they might have been uh, interested in the player as well. Uh, whether it's the right move or not, I think we do have to classify it as a failure, right? Like not all failures are the player's fault. Michelle, the manager who brought him over, gets fired a couple months into the season. That obviously changed Macias' potential in Spain. But if you're a forward and you go over and you play games and you don't score a goal, I'm sorry, Herc. You well, what did we put you him failed.
1: at? Five and a half, and you took the we, over.
0: We put him, we put the over for his goals at five and a half. Okay. If what did we'd you take? have made it, I took the over. What did if I take? you took the under. Okay. If we'd have said months, he wouldn't have made the over. Okay, you still I, could have taken the Can I tell you why under. I
1: said the under? Okay. First of all, to me, it's not a failure. Anytime you, as a young player, he's 20. He just turned 22 in September. Mm-hmm. As a young player, I get to experience Europe, get to experience that type of pedigree, get to experience the like of facing top class La Liga teams, it's a win-win for you. Even the setup, I don't care if it's the worst season ever, just being there, you're better for it. Coming back to Liga MX is not a failure. Going abroad and not succeeding is not a failure.
0: Not trying, that is the failure for these kids. All right, let's keep it on Liga MX, but to the FIFA Club World Cup, where the Mexican top flight represented by Rayados, who uh, spared themselves further embarrassment, shall we say, by claiming fifth place, yay, with a 3-1 victory over Al Jazeera, the effective host team at this tournament. This, of course, after Monterrey crashed out to the African champs al Ahly in their first game. Here's your Rayados manager, the under fire Vasco Aguirre, on Rayados' performance at the Club World Cup. Repitieron la pregunta. Ya sabía que le iban a hacer. Eh, nada, respeto totalmente a la gente, Está absolutamente libre de decir lo que quiera. Y el otro, eh, bueno, pues simplemente, eh, no sé si las expectativas de los cuatro mundiales anteriores cuando vino Monterrey eran las mismas. Es que no lo sé. Pero bueno, ah, hemos hecho lo que lo que se hizo en el pasado. Tampoco es que
2: haya sido la peor actuación de la historia del Monterrey. Entonces... All
0: right, Herc, what do you think? Some truth there, or time for El Vasco to get lost following those comments?
1: Okay, bear with me for a second. There could be some truth in what he said, and there could be some truth in what your argument's going to be, because I already know what it's going to be. Yeah, because I know you. Uh, but this is definitely a get lost. Now, he's right in what he's saying, okay, partially right. Monterrey did what Monterrey always does. We know this, mm-hmm. okay? But where he's wrong is the circumstances. Where he's wrong is not reading the room. What Tigres has just done, and I know you wanted me to bring up Tigres, is what every Monterrey fan, what the board, what the coach should be aspiring to, what they said they wanted to do, at least equal what Tigres did that final. Here's the difference. He's right. This is where Monterrey always goes. The difference is Monterrey has never had a roster as rich as this roster. Mm. One of the richest rosters, no, the richest rosters in Liga Mekis, one of the richest rosters in the Americas, okay? Monterrey has never had a coach with his pedigree. You know what? They've never had a coach with half of his CV. (laughs) That's the reality of this. So, one of the all-time best Mexican managers for many, Mm -hmm. the all-time best Mexican manager, who's coached Atletico Madrid, who's coached in in, in La Liga and other clubs like Osasuna, who's coached three different national teams. You cannot for the life of you say this. You are a Mm. direct person responsible for these outcomes. You have to read the room. You have to understand why fans are upset. I don't excuse some of these idiot fans and, and their actions, but you have to understand why they are so upset. Saying this just fuels the fire.
0: Coaches are stepping in it all over the place, and I wonder if it's pressure, certainly with Aguirre. He's, he's been there now 14 months. His win percentage, and we'll come to win percentage later, just how valuable it is, yeah. just how important it is. Yeah. It's, it's 45%. Why don't we compare it to the last manager, for Rayados, huh, Diego Alonso, who was maligned maligned for the way that they played 53 percent right 53 percent win percentage so Aguirre is not even matching the guy that he has replaced I think the pressure starting to get to him I think he felt it from the fans there he clearly is responding to the media I, I wouldn't be surprised I'd be surprised if he finishes this season I'd be shocked if he finishes the year Herk. shocked mm. if he finishes the year in Monterrey you want to take that bet No, because
1: Liga MX is Uh a carousel when it comes to Uh coaches. I'm not touching that bet.
0: More from the FIFA Club World Cup. Let's talk about the teams that you know won. Uh, Chelsea beating Al Hilal, the Saudi Arabian and Asian Confederation champions. That was on Wednesday. One nothing, thanks to a. Goal from Romelo Lukaku. Uh, Christian Pulisic didn't play. He was on the bench. He joined the team late following international break.
1: Oh, I love the strategy from Thomas Tuchel. Chess move right here. Chess move right here. You're uh, saving Christian Pulisic for the final. By the way, <coughs> from my understanding, he could be the first American to ever play in a Club World Club final. Hopefully that's the case. Not the first American to play in a Club World Cup, though. There are a long list
0: of those. Yes, uh, we should probably mention Jovan Karaski played in the final of the Intercontinental Cup, uh, which was the predecessor to this tournament back in '97 when he was World club. with Don't correct Dortmund. No, I'm not correcting you. I'm simply giving some more context. Uh, if you listen, you would have heard that the final will be against Palmeiras on Saturday Woo-hoo-hoo. in Abu Dhabi. All right, one more bit of business from the FIFA world. The latest FIFA rankings are out, Herc. Here they are. Mexico coming in 12th, are your highest ranked CONCACAF team, up two spots from the last ranking, down two spots from the last ranking, the United States. They fall to 13th. Both Canada and Costa Rica, moving seven spots up Canada, all the way up to 33rd in the world. Herc, are you cool with the latest FIFA rankings? And why do I have a feeling... You're going to say no.
1: No, I I hate all this. I really, it's like an unbalanced MLS schedule. I'll never be cool with it. I mean, Mm. these points, these rankings, depends who you play. Friendlies matter. All these things have an equation to it, but there are teams that play more games within ranking periods than others so they can move up, okay? Uh, What are the points, what's what's the point of this ranking system, okay? Well, you want to be ahead of a group in the World Cup, right? That would be one of them. Well, Mm -hmm. then why not just make World Cup qualification the main culprit of that? Why don't you just say, because it's so unfair to me to think a team like Canada can go undefeated in CONCACAF World Cup Mm. qualification and Mexico or the United States will have a better road to it. Like, what are you trying to qualify to? Shouldn't you be rewarded for how well you do in qualification at the said World Cup? It makes no sense to me. And quite frankly, I don't care about these rankings.
0: Yeah. You know, um, I know you're a big American football fan. Remember in college football when they used to have the AP poll yeah. and every year would come out yes. and the top the top five and the top ten would yeah, be the same because everyone was just picking the teams that they knew. That When you look at these FIFA rankings, that's what you feel. You feel like, oh, they put Mexico, U.S., one, two, because they haven't been watching any of the CONCACAF qualifying. So um, it, it's a flawed system. And to your point about that World Cup draw, these rankings are so totally removed from the reality that we're seeing, at least in CONCACAF qualifying, that to use them for something as important as seeding for a World Cup to me, I mean, it's a joke. It is a a joke. joke. It's a real joke. It's a real problem for FIFA because they lean way too heavily on this. I know they want to make it important because it's sponsored by some soft drink or whatever. Yes, it is. But but you you cannot, you cannot be serious about picking the top eight teams in the world to seed a World Cup out of rankings that have Canada, what, uh, 20 spots behind the United States, 21 spots behind Mexico. Yeah, it's absurd.
1: It is absurd, especially, and you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about the college football system. But if you think about it, think about this for a second. It's been absurd for a while. 2006, both Mexico and the U.S. were in the top 10 in that World Cup. I mean, they went as far as to be like 4 and 5 or 5 and 6, and they both. I mean, you know what happened to Mexico, yep. Argentina, Maxi Lopez, and you know what happened in the United States—one of the worst World Cups in recent memory. That's what these rankings are—they're they're wow. just complete nutter.
0: I can't believe we're talking about FIFA rankings, and you brought up a, a heartbreaking Mexico World Cup defeat from what is it, 16 years ago now? Thank you for that, Herc. Uh, far more in the in the present. Far more in the present. ESPN Plus, of course, is your home for La Liga, and we got some uh, great action coming for you this weekend. Sergio Dest and Barcelona facing their city rivals of Espanol. That match for you Sunday right here on ESPN+. Must be 21 plus plus present president select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Today, some fellas are leaving. Call her, but mistreated. Christian Polisic! On the pitch! The bottom is well over in The top, but they seen it.
3: Alfonso Davies can!
0: ernest says a lot to me i turned it down a million times that's not a lot to me
3: michael antonio
0: what a hit. i just made a way for myself from my west and my grandma basement so i think you
1: bow when the presence of greatness let's go go go, go, go. We <laughs> talk about gentlemen. Gender- I would imagine one they call
0: it manifestation and man we can take it away. We wasn't planning vacation. That's There you have it, Concacaf shortlist for Men's Player of the Year. Your nominees are Mikel Antonio, Jonathan David, Alfonso Davies, Chucky Lozano, Weston McKinney, Christian Pulisic by my count, two Canadians, a couple Americans, one Jamaican, and a lone Mexican. All right, Herc, time to put your ballot to the public. Who gets your vote? Before I start, can I get my
1: 20-second soapbox for a second? My good friend, producer, and director, Uh, can we acknowledge the dominance of Canada both in the men's and women's side. And it's a travesty that Kyle Laren isn't nominated yeah. in this. Kyle Laren, who's been an absolute monster for both club and country. Who are you but taking out should... then? I don't care. Take out, take out Chuki, <laughs> okay? Take out Chuki. Take out whoever you want, okay? It should be six Canadians. And we're talking about the nominations. We're talking about the women winning Olympic gold. We're talking about the men dominating World Cup qualification. We're in a different era, Seb. I just want mm-hmm. you to acknowledge we're in the Maple era, okay? Wow. Okay. Now, as far as who I think is the best player. Let me guess. In is it a Canadian?
0: <laughs> there it is. There it is. Why don't you tell us why? Uh, wow. Well, not only I'm sure, do I, I mean, feel, I'm sure it was a tough. I'm sure it was a tough argument it, to make.
1: It, it, it was, it's very tough. I'm going to try my best to explain why Alfonso mm. Davies is the. Player of the year in CONCACAF, besides being the absolute best player that CONCACAF CONCACAF, has to offer, uh, where do we start? I mean, we can go to the Club World Cup. They beat Stiegerdus because I think that's still within the cutoff, if you want to go there. We Mm -hmm. can talk about the league title for Bayern Munich again. We could talk about uh, him being voted in the Bundesliga team of the season again. We could talk about also World Cup qualifying. Did you know that Canada had to qualify to the Ocho? They had to qualify to this process. they have been playing quite a while, 13 games. Five goals, eight assists for Fonzie. There is no more, there's no player that's more impactful to his team, in any team in Concacaf than Alfonso Davies. He does it all. And if we want to talk about him in general, in his position, he also happens to be debatably the best player in the world in his position. There's no better representation in Concacaf than Alfonso Davies. Put some respect on the man's name.
0: All right. You love you some, Fonzie. Uh, No doubt about that. You wore the shirt and everything. Uh, Let me ask you this, because usually when you fill out one of these ballots, you don't just pick your your first choice, right? You throw on like a second and a third. I don't need your third choice, but I'm curious because I want to see if it's another Canadian. Who would have been your second pick here?
1: It was very close between Weston McKinney and Jonathan David, but I'd give it to Jonathan David, even though Weston McKinney has some straight fire arguments that I'm sure you're going to bring up right now. But I just think when you talk about... The level of play right now between players within CONCACAF, Jonathan David, is just on another level.
0: That's a lot of Canada love from you, Herc. I'm yeah. going to now call on, on production to help me a little bit because you always oh, put yourself go. Get up, on, this up this on there. show. No, 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 no. You always put yourself up no on this show. As no? the great Canadian champion, the lover of all things Canada, the first guy on the Canadian bandwagon. Production, please roll tape. From last oh, year. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Is Canada <laughs> the best team in Concacaf, or what? No, no, they're not. And the truth, Herc. The truth for see all the date? to see. Do you the see the date? The truth for all to see, Herc. Do you see the date? You still, you still will not say Canada the best team in Concacaf. I mean, think it's hard to not to say it. Look at the date.
1: What do you always say, huh? Opinion change, facts change. They've proven they're the
0: best. <laughs> yeah, the other way, the other way. But, well, whatever, you say but well it sounds backwards okay, so, uh, when you <laughs> talk. Uh, let me, yes, let me make the case. I'm going to make the case here for Weston McKinney. Production. I'm not going to argue against Alphonso Davies or Jonathan David because they would both be very, very worthy winners. But if I was to make a case for McKinney, I would focus on value to his team, right? You mentioned Alphonso Davies and everything that he did. Bayern Munich's win in the Bundesliga without Alphonso Davies. And I would have thought that Canada would struggle without Alphonso Davies. And then what happened? They went 9-for-9 nine nine in the last window, including a victory over the United States, with Alphonsoy, which makes me think, okay, they can do it without him. Juventus right now are fourth. Two points out of missing the Champions League, Herc. If not for Weston McKinney, they might miss out on that top four. Forget the U.S. national team. Forget the U.S. national team, who right now are second. Comfortable is probably not the right word, but well on track to make the World Cup. Without his goals, without his performances, would the U.S. be there? So if I'm looking at this less as best player in CONCACAF and more as most valuable player, then I would go with McKinney. There's another point to be made about McKinney here. I did not think that the so-called punishment for what he did in Nashville met the gravity of what he did in Nashville, right? He put in jeopardy his team's qualification to the World Cup. That's a real thing that happened. But it's not up to me to punish him. And now that he served his punishment, what he did after the punishment says a lot. That's a player who learned from a mistake and didn't just stabilize, but got way better. In fact, he's enjoying not just the best moment of his year, I think the best moment of his career coming off turmoil like that. I think you can make a very solid case for Weston McKinney for the best player in CONCACAF, but I'm not going to go against your Davies. I'm not going to go against your David.
1: Uh, production, you want to roll the clip where he said that uh, he's got no place on the U.S. men's national team; he should be kicked off, or do you want to roll the clip of when he said a month and a half ago that he was not playing well for Juventus? Are we not going to roll that clip?
0: No. All he right. wasn't playing well in that game. Go All back right. and check the ratings. We talked you about just one game. Up a I video from November, waiting. guy. <laughs> Mira, I I say you said something. I pro I provide the tape. You say I said something. There's no tape. Production. So you're a liar. You're I a liar. I, was at the I don't Super Bowl. know what to tell you, bro. Show the evidence. are not working. Zip I didn't it. have
1: time to call production.
0: Mm, you didn't Jeez. have time to call production. Right. Right. Very very <laughs> uh, busy man. All right. Uh, in case you missed it, U.S. soccer definitely checking the mentions on Twitter and here uh, snapping back at a fan who said Greg Berhalter was known more for his kicks than his coaching. Uh, Herc, you were first in line to tell U.S. Soccer's official Twitter account to delete this, which they eventually did, so I'm guessing you don't think that this is fair play. Listen,
1: uh, I get if you're a committee manager, if you're the administrator of a social media account, I get the objective, engagement. I get what you're trying to do. Read the room. Read the room is all I'm asking. Uh, It's a situation where a lot of fans feel that sometimes... The manager, sometimes the accounts are are more worried about putting up what kind of shoes the manager is wearing or or the swag of this and that. And and they don't realize there are a lot of fans that are very worried about the situation right now for the U.S. men's national team. They're sitting second place right Mm. now, heading into the most difficult window of World Cup qualifying, two away games in two venues that they've never won at. Mm. And that home game is in Orlando against a direct rival to that direct. Ticket to the World Cup. So there's a lot of unsteady feelings right now, especially on social media. So this so just tweet read the room.
0: after qualification, is it okay then?
1: I think it's, listen, everything's okay when you're winning. Everything's right. okay when everything's yeah. going well, right? We're allowed to have fun. I think it's okay. But read the room. Be smarter. And I get the objective. I get what the administrator of this page is trying to do. The engagement, I understand it. But there's a reason they deleted it.
0: Yeah. Well, you mentioned the admin, right, whoever's running the account. And I I figure they're probably never going to have to deal, like, face-to-face with a fan, right, right? somebody who's going to know who they are. But you know who they might have to deal with face-to-face? Greg Berhalter and the players. And I bet you if I'm Greg Berhalter and the players, I don't mind this. They're standing up for me. This isn't a bad thing. I don't from, know, from, Seb. You think, you think Greg Berhalter and them have a problem with this. They're, what do you want from the account? The account's standing up for their guy. That's not, I, 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 I love if that. I'm if, I'm, if I'm the, if if I'm I'm the coach Berhalter, that's getting
1: criticized. I think if I'm Greg Berhalter, I'm just saying, hey, leave it be. All you're doing is making things worse mm. for me. That's all you're doing is just trying to increase the pressure I mean, Just let it go. I don't really care. If I'm Greg Berhalter, I say, it's not important to
0: me. Look, man, I don't know, I'm but I'm a little bit worried about you. I'm a little bit worried me? about you. I gotta say that, yeah. This guy? You're mad You're mad about the selfie. You're mad about fan voting. You're mad about the player tweet. I know you're on the wrong side of 40, dude, but you're acting like, you know, old man on the porch. <laughs> on. Old man on. on the porch on. yelling about the way things I'll used to I'll be. I'll in April. Relax. Relax. And, and Let it's your hair down a little bit. It's to Vegas. soccer, Greg. The production
1: will be there. You're, you're invited as well.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sure my invite will get lost in the mail. <laughs> we all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. Uh, let's turn our attention, Herc, to some breaking news this Thursday out of Major League Soccer. And uh, very serious news as well. Andy Polo, 27 year old Peruvian international and winger for the Timbers, has been suspended and removed from all team activities pending an investigation into allegations of domestic violence made against Polo by the mother of his children on a Peruvian television show. Among her claims, that the Timbers have known about this since it allegedly occurred back on May 23rd of last year. Uh, let's hear the clip from that TV show.
2: Cuando yo llamé al 911, él llamó a uno de su equipo y llegó el del equipo, pero como yo no sabía el inglés, yo estaba en la parte de arriba y el policía con el que llegó del equipo y con Andy estaban abajo y hablaban. Y después el policía subía y hablaba al teléfono con un traductor y así hablaba conmigo. Después llegó el jefe de seguridad del equipo del Portland Timbers. ¿Ya? Y él también quedó conmigo de que eh, qué era lo que yo quería, si que que si él quería irse, que si yo quería que él se vaya de casa o yo quería para yo irme. Y yo le dije no, que él se vaya porque yo dónde me iba a ir. Yo tenía miedo por mis hijos, por mí.
0: Those are the words of Genesis Alarcón, the mother of Polo's children. Uh, Polo's representatives have responded denying all allegations, saying they are without basis. The Portland Timbers have released a couple statements since we learned of this. The latest uh, can really be focused in on kind of the last part of it where they say, We deeply regret not suspending Polo immediately especially considering the troubling new details of abuse that surfaced this week. It was a failure on our part and one that will never happen again. Uh, Herc, your thoughts on Portland's response and handling of this situation.
1: The handling of the situation is, is, is very worrying and troublesome um, because we can't ignore what happened with the Portland Thorns and how they mishandled that situation grotesquely. I mean the lack of transparency accountability responsibility on their part because when you look at the police report and read about the incidents two Portland club officials were sent to the home so they knew about this this happened in May Seb Hmm. not only was the player allowed to continue to play with the team they knew about this no investigation at least not that we know of they haven't been transparent with but they decided to pick up the player's option mm-hmm. for a new contract here mm-hmm. and brought him back into the fold again. This yeah. after fans and media were upset at what happened with the Thorns and the lack of accountability. Now, I understand Club being a club owner must be very difficult. It surely is difficult. It, it's a corporation. It, it's it's an industry. It, it's, it's a business. And you can't be atop of anything. But the book stops with you. Mm-hmm. So either you knew about it or you hired incompetent people who somewhere along the chain of command didn't notify you or, or loop you in. Gavin Wilkinson with the Thorns uh, being one of those uh, situations. And it's just grotesque mismanagement. The, yeah. the city of Portland deserves better. Their fans deserve better. I've defended Portland in the past of being a model organization for what they've done in, in Major League Soccer, for what the Thorns have done in, in WSL, the environment they have created. But I can't defend these actions. I can't defend the gross uh, lack of responsibility and accountability by the execs and the ownership group in Portland not this time.
0: Yeah, I mean the reality is he was in preseason. They were planning on using him until this video dropped. Yeah. So until everybody knew, they were okay with it and that's not acceptable. And you bring up you bring up the situation with the Portland Thorns where Paul Riley was the coach. The Thorns conducted an internal investigation in 2015. As a result of that investigation, they did not renew Paul Riley. They shared that news with the rest of the NWSL, but they didn't go far enough. They didn't make sure that Paul Riley didn't manage again. And they weren't, as you say, transparent in sharing the news about that investigation. We didn't know publicly why Paul Riley left the Portland Thorns. We assumed it was bad results. But clearly, it was something much more. So we now have two black eyes on the Portland organization. And I don't want to say organization, because that, that, that muddies the waters. We have to say who's in charge. And the man in charge is Merritt Paulson. He is the owner of both of these teams. And I know this is not comfortable for people, because Merritt Paulson is a guy that a lot of fans like, because he goes on social media. And as far as MLS owners go, he's pretty accessible. But the reality is, Herc, There is no evidence, either with the Timbers or with the Thorns, that Merrick Paulson is fit to be an owner in American soccer. We got too much proof that he's not. I don't know what more people need. And as much greatness as has come out of Portland, and a lot of it because of Merrick Paulson, you cannot let that outweigh this. And you cannot let it outweigh what happened with the Portland Thorns. When you combine it all, I think it's very, very bad news for Portland, and I think it's very, very bad news for their owner, Merritt Paulson who's caught up in this and as you said in the situation with the Thorns. Let's turn our attention to Atlanta United. They've been doing some big moves off the field right. They've completed the signing of Thiago Almada on a record fee of 16 million dollars. The 20-year-old attacker joins MLS from Vélez in Argentina where he debuted back in 2018. It is another big hurricane. I mean big money move for atlanta united but not all big money moves especially for atlanta work out so what do you think almada gonna be a bust or gonna be a hit
1: this is so difficult seven i'm not trying to dodge the question
0: but it is we have no idea
1: (laughs) well well, not only that because it all depends on and we spoke about this this morning off air it all depends on on his environment right yeah i mean there's no denying tata came in and blew it out of the water, changed what was the mold. Like, you have to go with a coach who knows the league, who understands the mechanisms, who understands what it's all about. He he ruined all that fiasco because what he did with Atlanta United, with Miguel Almiron, Joseph uh, uh, Martinez, was just short of spectacular. Uh, And they tried Piti Gonzalez, and Mm they tried Ezequiel Barco. But who was there? You know, you had DeBoer, and then you had... Uh, Heinze, Gabi Jainse, and you had the fiasco that was them with the players. It's just... Unless I know what he's getting into, Mm -hmm. and I know what Gonzalo Pineda was in Seattle. I understand who he was in Seattle. I don't have a body of work to see who he is in Atlanta. It's finally his team. So I will give him the benefit of the doubt. What I will say is it's not... It's not the only way of doing things. Seattle Sounders are one of the teams that spend wisely and get a lot for their money, okay? Um, They don't have to splash and get all this, uh, you know, attention that way and try to get good players that way. Atlanta has, and it's not always played out. Mm. But I applaud an ownership group. I applaud the board. I applaud a team trying to reward its fans with good players. Trying to go out in the open market and compete
0: on and off the field. I applaud that. Yeah. Nah, Atlanta's always led the way there, right? I think this is, if it were my money, if I was betting on hit or bust, it'd be really hard to bet hit um, because of Barco and because of Piti, right? Those guys were almost the exact same amount of money, a little bit less, and yet they couldn't do it. And a lot of that was down to Atlanta. Now, we think about Atlanta, right? And you say, well, what else has changed? Well, it's the same guys who picked those guys. It's still Darren Eels. It's still Carlos Bocanegra. If they missed on Piti, if they missed on Barco, or if they missed on, as you say, creating an atmosphere where those players could thrive, why would I bet hit here? The only reason that I would bet hit is because I personally believe that Gonzalo Pineda is going to be a good coach. I don't know that. There's no track record to suggest he's going to be a great head coach. But if he is a good head coach and he happens to hit it in his first job, then I think there could be an atmosphere and an environment where Almada really does shine, but, but I'm, there's a lot of ifs there.
1: Well, let, let's just go this way. It has to be the environment because any coach, any ownership group, and not just in Major League Soccer, but a lot around the world would say, wait a second, the best South American player, he was voted that? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm interested in said player. Yes, I will pay money for said player. So these players came in with a certain pedigree. They were fighting off European offers. They were fighting off different kinds of suitors. So it has to be the environment.
0: There's a couple red flags with Almada that we should uh, mention here. There's an assault uh, investigation from December of 2020. There's also a racist gesture that he made while playing for Vélez. Darren Eels and Atlanta United say they've done their due diligence. Um, Let's hope this time in American soccer that due diligence really does hold up. Uh, Speaking of, it's not just Almada, by the way, that's making the move to Major League Soccer. And really, the, the back and forth between MLS and the first division in Argentina has exploded. I mean, that pipeline really exploded in the last couple years. Uh, what does this mean, Herc? Uh, is it something, nothing, everything? Does it say more about MLS? Does it say more about Argentina? What do you make of it? Everything. It's the
1: type of clubs they're going to within that federation, between those Argentine clubs. It's the Boca Juniors. It's Mm -hmm. the River Plate. It's that type of club. This shows me that Major League Soccer is a participant in the global market. You're competing for these young players, for these exciting players, for these talented prospects with the global market, the rest of the world. So now you're not talking about Liga Mequis. You're talking about the rest of the world. That's how you Mm. grow. That's how you expand as a league. If it didn't work out in Major League Soccer and they go elsewhere, fine albeit but you're competing
0: and you're purchasing some of the best up and coming talents in the world. I wonder I wonder if maybe Herc, maybe there's something happening in the Argentine market because all these players used to go to Europe, they used to go to Mexico. Why isn't Europe interested? Why isn't Europe interested in a player like Almada? Why is why is 15 million dollars too much? Surely there's got to be a great big European team that could have spent that. You could say the same about Piti, your South American player of the year. Why was nobody yeah. Why was nobody tripping over themselves, you know, nobody of European status, tripping over themselves to sign that player? I wonder if it's something about the Argentine League. Surely it says something, I'm not denying that, about the growth of Major League Soccer. All right, some more Atlanta United news. How about this uh, Jurgen Dam? Uh, appears to have been frozen out. The Mexican attacker training with Atlanta's B team after manager Gonzalo Pineda, who we just mentioned, said he wouldn't be part of the team's plans moving forward. That, of course, uh, drew a response on Twitter from Dam who said he wouldn't be taking a pay cut as Atlanta was hoping. Herc, this is getting ugly. How do you think it'll play out in the end?
1: Pay that man, that's how it's gonna play out. Mm -hmm. He's got a bona fide guaranteed contract for two more years. What is it, 1.74, 1.75? You pay that man, you honor the contract now.
0: You think Jurgen Dam wants to get paid and sit? I think
1: Jurgen Dam's at the point of his career right now where he understands what 1.74 million or $75 million a year is. A man's got a second kid uh, with him right now. He's He'll got to take a, a pay cut and
0: play somewhere else. Could well, probably still eat for a little bit less than that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah but he doesn't have to. So if you don't want to, legally, you're obligated to pay him. What would a player want to do?
0: I would think the player would want to play, right?
1: Uh, You'd want to get paid. Because your man over here did it with Cholos. Wait, wait a (laughs) second. You want me to leave? No problem. Pay me my money. Wait, you don't want to pay me? You're going to make me go train by myself in a hotel room for two months and then the day before offer me something because you know I can legally now sue you? That's not how we play things. How we play things is you honor a contract. Things happen, circumstances change. Sometimes a player exceeds a contract, sometimes he falls short, sometimes it's his doing, sometimes it's just uh, mother nature taking its course or whatever the course may be, but you honor
0: said contract. That's what they have to do here. If Atlanta wants him off the books, pay him. Yeah, you're the one that always says, and Atlanta has a lot of money to play with, but that you, you can't have expensive players that don't produce, and I wonder if we're heading towards maybe a situation like, obviously different scales, what Barcelona has with an Usmane Dembele, who they couldn't get rid of, right? And now they've got sitting around. And at some point, you may look and say, hey, uh, we're, in Barcelona's case, we're in a top four race. In Atlanta's case, we're in a title race. We're in a playoff race. We're paying this player. Are we really sure we want to freeze him out and not use him if we're paying all this money? I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's an asset. Can right. you afford to do that if you're Atlanta is the question? No,
1: and the thing is, some people are saying, well, why don't you just buy him out? Because MLS, yeah. these mechanisms offer the ability. You can only buy out one player. And they're in the process of doing that right now. So they've made mistakes as a front office already.
0: More news in Major League Soccer, this time involving the New York Red Bulls and Caden Clark, who rejoins New York from Red Bull Leipzig. After never having left, of course, which (laughs) makes all the sense in the world. Now, how did this go down? Well, New York sent uh, allocation money to Toronto and then Cincinnati to move up in the allocation order. It's just chaos, sir. What did you call in the production meeting? Peak MLS. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's supposed to be a Minnesota
1: United, like homegrown, never plays for Minnesota United, but they have to give something to Minnesota United, even though he came from the Barcelona Academy, uh, has this tie to to Leipzig, doesn't end up going to Leipzig. Look at this. I don't know what I'm looking at. (laughs) I'm getting dizzy. You know what this tells me? This tells me them as a front office, the New York Red Bulls as a front office, were so unprepared, they didn't realize they would have to play GAM if they sent him to Leipzig and he came back because apparently there's a miscommunication between Leipzig and Red Bull and it didn't work out. So they had to spend money for a player they already had. And then I started thinking to myself, wait a second, didn't I just see Colorado and Austin Trustee, like, scam their way to making more GAM by essentially doing the same thing and coming back? Like, how do you not prepare for this? This just shows me that one was calculated, one was prepared, another front office didn't even know what was happening.
0: We always complain about how complex and complicated the Major League Soccer roster rules are. It goes to show her, we're not the only ones that get confused. Clearly, the people who are trying to run teams um, are confused by this as well.
3: This podcast
0: is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. better because it has to be the national women's soccer league releasing its challenge cup schedule and format earlier this week the 39 game tourney slated to kick off on march 18th it's going to run through may 7th there will be three regional groups with four teams each and how about this march 19th the first ever meeting between expansion size and sure to be cali rivals angel city fc and san diego wave fc Sitting then, that our next guest here on Football Americas is none other than Julie Foudy, of course, uh, one of the co owners of Angel City FC. I know you were loving that schedule when it came out. What a way to start, huh?
2: <laughs> I know. Let's go. Let's finally get going. Good Lord. It's time, Should, Savvy.
0: Absolutely. Should be a, a very fascinating game to kick off the Challenge Cup. Speaking of the NWSL, you know, we had the CBA completed just under the deadline late last week. I think from a player's perspective, Julie, there's a lot to like. There's improved benefits. There's a chance at some TV money potentially down the road. We saw a massive increase in the minimum salary across NWSL. Uh, You've seen this from both perspectives, as a player and and also now as an owner. Uh, What do you think the biggest Mm -hmm. takeaway is from all this?
2: It's it's a massive deal. The fact that it took 10 years, though, to get the first CBA for the uh, NWSL Um, is too long but the takeaway is is that it provides finally protections for players Uh, you had on top of that a big issue they wanted to to get into that was free agency it's conditional free agency it's staggered free agency but that's good news for the players Uh, more securities more protections paid paternity leave uh maternity leave, uh, paid mental health leave for six months. So there's a ton in there. And most importantly, I think, is the fact that you're able to play, pay a player like Trinity Rodman, as we saw mm-hmm. with that massive contract, $1.1 over four years. It gives you the freedom with the allocation money to now do that. You couldn't have done that in the past. And we need, as a league, to be keeping players here and attracting them here. And I think it gives the flexibility to teams to do that now for the big names.
1: Bravo to the women who got free agency a lot faster than the men did. Good for, good on them for pushing on that. Listen, speaking of CBAs, the women's national team CBA is going to end in March. One of the key components of that CBA were the guaranteed contracts. Now, I understand it was to supplement what they weren't getting at the club level. But in today's time, are those contracts still needed?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Herc. Back in the day, which is in my day, way back in the day, You did need that guaranteed salary, which is why they're structured differently, because we weren't getting the millions or hundreds of thousands that the men were getting from their professional clubs. And so you needed that stability. There is an argument today, although interestingly enough, I haven't seen the full shift from the women's team to wanting to go to just contracts like the men have. And so the women are still saying that they do want some of those protections. And that's one of the negotiating areas I think that's sticking right now is how much do they want to deviate from those guaranteed contracts? I think we're at a point now with women making more professionally with their clubs that they have more security, they can do that. Um, But there were a lot of nice things in there that, I mean, for example, during COVID, when there were no games being played, the women were still guaranteed Uh, their salaries because of the contract. Obviously, that's going to shift a little bit, um, and they're going to have to give up some of those guarantees if they want some of the bounce they're going to get from perhaps FIFA bonuses and other bonuses that the men get.
0: March 31st, then, uh, I believe the end of the current CBA. We'll be keeping an eye on it. Let's turn our attention to some... Brilliant, Julie, if not kind of tragic reporting again from Molly Hensley Clancy uh, of The Washington Post. It was her in November, you'll remember, that reported the allegations of emotional and verbal abuse against Chicago Red Mm. Stars head coach uh, Rory Dames. The Post has now uncovered a 1998 police report alleging sexual abuse of youth players Dames was coaching at that time. His lawyer has uh, refused to make Dames available for interview, but did deny the allegations. We should note that there was, Julie, a lot to unpack In this report, uh, what stood out to you?
2: The the ongoing nature of this, how it just um, keeps happening and it keeps uh, revealing itself as in the same coach and nothing was done about it. And Mm. so we look again in another situation where it should have been dealt with. 10, 20 years ago, and the abuse is continued and allowed to continue. Um, and, I mean, thank, thank goodness for Molly, Hensley, Clancy, and Meg Lenahart and, uh, and their ability to, to, uh, to tell these stories and to be there for these players because it's so important. But, again, it's so frustrating because society and adults in the room are allowing this to continue to happen, and that's the frustrating thing. Um, I think that saddens so many.
1: You know, after this report came out, nine of the biggest uh, U.S. women's national team players came out in an open letter to Carlos Cordero, City Parlo Cone, where they were addressing the willful inaction of USF leadership. Uh, both of those uh, people I just mentioned right. are actually going to run for USF president in the upcoming election. How do you think that will impact the election?
2: Well, the interesting thing, Herc, is this report was filed in this complaint by Kristen Press to U.S. Soccer in 2018, and who was president at that time, Carlos Cordero, he claims he didn't know anything about the investigation. But my understanding is every investigation that goes through U.S. Soccer has to get cleared by the president because it costs money. It has to get approval by the president. Um, mm. How he doesn't know about this investigation and why they didn't take action uh with the investigation and he was allowed to continue to coach again we go back to this the cycle just continues because no one takes action so those are things that i think carlos cordero is going to have to answer this is in 2018 cindy came in 2019 so i think there's going to be some transparency needed on u.s soccer's part as to what happened with that investigation why was there no action taken on Rory Dames. Why was he allowed to continue? And what did Carlos know about it if he says he didn't know about it? Because my understanding, as I said, is a president has to approve the investigation happening in the first place.
0: Mm. One thing about the report from Molly hensley Clancy that just jumped off the pages to me is the depth of the police investigation back in the late 90s. They talked to 150 yeah. people. Hundreds. There was a lot in that yeah. report, and yet still... Uh, Nothing was done. Very, very sad. Let's move on to soccer. Unfortunately, in the women's game, we spent so much time talking about off-the-field stuff. Julie, let's get to some on-the-field stuff here. She Believes Cup is coming for the U.S. women starting next Thursday. There is one bit of roster news. Remember Trinity Rodman, when she was initially called in, it was as a training player. Well, now she's been added to the She Believes Cup team. She's going to take the place of the injured Abby Dahlkemper. Now, you'll also remember, because we talked about this in the last show, that when manager Vladko Ananovsky was discussing the She Leafs Cup roster, he brought up some huge, and I mean huge, names.
3: I feel like uh, if in any of these camps, like for She Believes, for example, we call any of the, any of the senior players, then uh, we're not going to be able to see the, the younger ones uh, in a, uh, or dial, uh, dial in as deep as we want uh, with, the, with the younger ones. Now, once again, no, no, it doesn't mean that all these players that, that they have done well in the past, they're just going to come back here in the next camp because they've done well a year ago or two years ago. Uh, so, but, I mean, there is a reason why Mia Hamm is not in camp. Still, uh, we're not calling Mia Hamm or Julie Fadi in camp, right? So uh, the, same th- the same goes here. They need to, they need to perform. They need to play in their markets. They need to play well in their markets and show that they, they can still contribute and uh, be valuable for uh, for the national team.
0: Oh. All right, Julie, on last week's show, we said it was on- shots day. fired Wait, vlatko There's, Go- There's
2: a reason. Yeah, there's a reason Julie Foudy is not playing on the national team anymore. She can't even get out of bed anymore. That's the problem. I can I am not kidding. I am not kidding. I was snowboarding last week and I cannot get out of bed. It's but bad. But you were snowboarding. Um, shots sh- I know. Shots fired. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was a that was a less than subtle reminder of, mm-hmm. "Hey, yo, um you've done a lot, veterans, and I appreciate that and I respect that." But you gotta then show me that you still can do it today. So yes, I definitely think that was shots fired. Um, but to Vlakko's credit, he has said, and he's he said this over and over again, starting in November with Australia, that. And they had to get through, of course, those Olympic victory tour games um, that he had to take the Olympic roster. But starting in November, he has said, I'm going younger. I need to go younger. I'm gonna bring in younger. I'm gonna consistently bring in younger. And the veterans, I know what I can get from them. And I, yes, I wanna see them, but right now I need to see the younger kids. And I think this is the way he has to go, honestly. We knew at the Olympics, it was an older group. We knew there was gonna be a transition after this Olympics. And there's no other way of evaluating them, even though these three teams that she believes Cup aren't the standard we've seen of past. It's still three good teams. There's no way better to evaluate them to obviously put them in there and see him play. So he needs to see minutes and that's what he should be doing. But it was, it was a less than (laughs) subtle shout fire for sure.
1: Absolutely. Okay. You know that, I feel the only players that actually matter are the offensive players. You guys already know this. Okay, Know me a ham, so let's stick to the big four, okay? Let's go Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, let's go uh, Kristen Press, let's go Tobin Heath. Out of these four superstars, veteran superstars, is there one, Julie, that is a guaranteed lock for you to make the 2023 World Cup team?
2: I actually, Herc, do not think that there is a lock. I couldn't even pick one right now. I don't think he's... And as we saw from that statement, I don't think he's locked in on these veterans. I think what he's gonna look at is one right he's gonna see okay where are they in six months time after they've gotten through this season where are we then how have these younger players done and giving them minutes first and foremost and most importantly which one is going to be a game changer because you know they're not going to get seven games or six games or however many out of them of 90 minutes they're going to come in and they're going to be game changers so who are the biggest game changers is what he's going to look at and then i think maybe two of those four get called in to the world wow.
0: cup team. Wow. I'm telling you if you if you look at the youngest one of them is Alex Morgan, we got to remind people it's still a year and a half away. She'll be 34 at the time of the mm-hmm. next World Cup, and she's the youngest of that group of four. So uh, some big decisions coming this year and then definitely next year for Vlatko and Anovsky. A big task for you, Julie. You got till March 19th to get me some Angel City gear or the folks from San Diego are going to send it, and, <laughs> and, and, and then I'm theirs, and then I'm theirs. Uh, yeah, we, shock, can, we can't
2: have that happen. That, we cannot have that happen. I'm on it. I'm All on
0: right, it. there she is, Julie Fowdy. Thanks as always for the time. Appreciate you being with us here on Football Américas. Thanks, boys. One week from today, first of three She Believes Cup matches for the U.S. women. They'll face the Czech Republic from Dignity Health Sports Park. Julie and I will be on the call for that one on ESPN. Time for Book It! It would have been a uh, football versus soccer, but really it's football versus American football. The Super Bowl is coming up. You have been combing the prop bets where is the cash on Sunday for the good people that watch the show?
1: Well, you know, I'm a huge football fan, so uh, obviously I had to go with the good prop bet. Uh, and that would be the national anthem. We all love the yes. national anthem. It's the over-under, 95 seconds. I am taking the under. 95 seconds? 95 90 seconds. seconds. 95 oh, okay. seconds. Okay? Here's why I'm taking the under. Mickey Guy is the singer. Okay? I know that in recent years, I think the last nine Super Bowls, seven have gone over. I know this. Okay? They've gone at least 140, I understand this, but a year ago she actually performed the National Memorial Day concert in Washington, D.C., your hometown. Mm-hmm. It was a nice and short rendition of 125, 15 seconds to wow. spare. I think we got a little bit of intel here. She will give us the same. Put your money on the under. 120. So this is why it. you
0: always win your bets. You do that weird thing called research. Yeah. That's what it is. You yeah. did your homework, okay? My right, well told me to take the under. So. I was gonna go coin toss because anybody who's played Madden knows tails never fails, and oh, it's gonna be wow. hard for me to watch this game. I wanna, I wanna tune out after the Matt coin Hustleback toss. I'm still, Back to I'm still different. dreaming of my bills being there. But instead, this is a <laughs> soccer show, so I'll do something with the kickers. Any kicker, any kick to hit the uprights coming in at plus 400. I did some research as well. turns out the Bengals and Rams kickers combined, Herc, and you'll never believe this, in their careers, have combined to hit more uprights than any other two kickers in the National Football League. How about that? I'm loving this plus 400. Uh,
1: That's good. That's good. Uh, Evan McPherson, you know, uh, 12 for 12 this postseason. Matt Gaze, 7 for Mm 9. So they've been pretty good this postseason. I'm just saying, but plus 400 is very tasty. I know,
0: I know. It's yeah, very I know. tasty. Uh, that that uh, bit of research that I just said there, that totally made up. Totally yeah. There was none of that. Was, none of that was true. I don't know about the American football, Herc. All right, so we've got a huge show coming up on Monday. Our Valentine's Day. No, it's not a Valentine's Day special. It's our 100th edition of Football Americas, and we have some huge guests lined up for you. Chicharito, Carlos Vela. We won't tell you who turned us down. At least yet we won't tell you who I'll turned us down. I'll tell you. But, Herc, it's going to be a... Big, it's a shocker. Big, show.
1: It's a shocker, Hutuner Sound, you'll never believe it. By the way, Destiny put us together on Valentine's Day to celebrate. On
0: Valentine's Day, well, if this show is about anything, it is about that one four-letter word. No, not the one you're thinking about. One four-letter word. Love, L-O-V-E, Was way on. Gomez, and <laughs> always, between us, it is nothing but love. That's it for us, we'll Bonzi! see you on Monday. Enjoy the weekend. What is that?